Half, well, Half Moon Lake is a different story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know about Half Moon Lake. Uh, I think that's just <laughs> leftover from logging could and be. stuff like that. And they just, it's a self-contained waterway, so there's nowhere for it to go. Oh, right. sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Stagnant water, always a good time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great for mosquitoes, and we all love mosquitoes. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Grazia Veda Concept Salon and Paradise Massage where whole body care is their specialty. Now offering massage, nail, and hair care services tailored to everyone's individual needs. They're conveniently located at 4638 Golf Road in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, or find them online at graziesalon.com. Hey, travelers, it's another Taproom Takeover podcast, and we moved to Madison, Wisconsin, and we're taking over the taproom of Giant Jones Brewing. Uh, just recently reopened taproom of Giant this Jones. Week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm with Jessica, the owner, brewer. I hear a lot of brewers are janitorial services, cleaning. We have two people bottling. on staff. It's my wife and I. We do right. everything. <laughs> Erica calls herself the doer of things, and I call myself the brewer. But like, there you go. If it happens, it's the two of us. If, if yeah. there's something that has to be done, you also do it. Yeah, yep. no, no matter yep. what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, for those of you that uh, have not watched any of the taproom traveler stuff from the past, uh, Andy is, hey. is with us. Uh, he he runs the satellite office here in Madison, Wisconsin. It's a very yep. large satellite office. That's mm-hmm. where we pour all of our money into. Right. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm very uh, deep into the woods on that one. You know, yeah. Running things yeah. down things, here. Oh, it's you know it's been a long time <laughs> running. <This> is the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is the office bigger than your beer fridge? Or is that the whole office? That's, that's, that's probably much, the whole that's office. That's pretty much the whole yeah. office, yeah. <laughs> I got a kegerator, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Two tap handles, even. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's way more advanced than the rest of us. I'll sell you kegs. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no offense. I promise. <laughs> giant Keg of Giant Jones on tap at home. It, it always works out great. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, well, that's a, actually a good segue to get into it. Um, the reason that you're called Giant Jones is because of some of the... Uh, gravity of yeah. your beers, correct? Oh yeah, everything's big beers. Um, uh, everything's certified organic, and our ground floor is seven percent. So, like, we look at classic styles that um, reach seven percent or start at seven percent and above. Um, so everything's like the seven to ten and a half. Like sometimes we hit eleven, um, but yeah, um, yeah, that's usually just by me doing my job too well. So like, <laughs> the uh, Scotch Ale was eleven point one one time and. I thought it was a little bit gaudy. Like I like it more at like that ten, ten and a half place. But sure. Uh, and we, I was really like, I mean, on that note, like I really embrace just like what's the gravity this time. Like I don't try and like correct back to any specific gravities. Um, so there's always going to like every batch of beer, there's the potential for it to be swing a little bit. Um, but it doesn't affect flavor. So like what I'm, I'm more concerned with like this much um, essential hop oils per liter than uh, this much ethanol per liter because like it's the flavor active things those are the concentrations I'm worried right. about so right. um, if I have a little bit of extra sugar like freaking great <laughs> <laughs> happy yeast right yeah, yeah right happy yeast happy beer mm-hmm. yeah uh, so this is the first time that I've ever been here and uh, I will be honest I had a hard time finding it because yep. when, when you're driving 
paying attention to the road, or at least I pay attention to the road. Sure. Not everybody does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, once Andy, well, I got Andy on the phone, and he's like, just look for the pink door. And I'm like, oh. Yep. So I, I drove around, found the pink door. Yep. It's great. Yep. And, well, it uh, doesn't help that our address is Main Street, but our entrance is on Brearley. Right. Right. This right. Because there's 23 businesses in our building, so like... Uh, this building is complicated. Like even so, like Old Sugar Distillery, our neighbors behind the drywall. Yep. Um, their address is Main Street, but like the number of people that come into Giant Jones, like through the door that has a little card that says Giant Jones. There's like, is this Old Sugar Distillery? Is like, yeah, no. Like, no. But we have. The, they the actually have a sign. Like, <laughs> but we have beer. Do you want that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes they're really delighted. Yeah. And vice Absolutely. versa, right? Like, um, it's a really great um, people just discover us because. They know of one or the other. So, so, so for those listening and coming down to Madison, I, I, and I know after we're done with this and after you're done listening, you're, you're going to want to come visit, especially <laughs> uh, when we talk about some of the beers because every, everything that uh, Andy has ever brought up is delightful. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, if we had it in Eau Claire, I would probably buy it more often. But my trips to Madison are few and far in between. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, exp- Distribution beyond Dane County should will be expanding. Um, uh, we just the three of us are looking at it, but we have a uh, we we got a used bottling line during COVID and yeah. did a small expansion, and so uh, we're going to move from our um, forehead manual filler that's really just nice homebrew equipment. I got it for more beer um, <laughs> to a sixteen head rotary filler. It's going to do sixty three bottles a minute. There you uh, go. So like nice. yeah during covid with no draft beer like it was probably 45 hours of work to get a batch into bottles uh now it's gonna be 45 minutes with cleanup there you go like <laughs> that's not even math that's just changing units yeah like, right <laughs> <laughs> it's that's, incredible so that means yeah. we'll be able to like get beer out there more like yeah. and there's demand for the beer but we haven't been um trying to get new accounts at all for the past 16 months because we couldn't put any more beer in bottles and like we were out of beer very i mean out of bottles <laughs> constantly like there <laughs> yeah. was beer but it was trapped in vessels and like um you know most people don't have a kegerator at home so like <laughs> well right. and, and people talk you know we talked about um over the pandemic about aluminum shortage but you don't can so i mean you bottle and and you bottle not in 12 ounce bottles you yep. bottle in in a unique um half liter bottles though yeah. we there is now a problem with getting glass bottles because because so much of the market has moved to cans, um, the stocks of glass bottles are lower, and um, we're about to launch a returnable program. Well, we're taking returnables back, but like we don't have the, the um, equipment's not installed yet, so we're not processing them yet. Right. Uh, but it's a real struggle to get glass bottles right now because so many of them are made in Europe because they're still using primarily glass in Europe. Um, but with the ship, like maritime shipping is completely screwed up. Like there was, right. it started with the ship turning sideways in the Suez Canal, <laughs> mm-hmm. which was in Egypt. And like the path from Germany to Ontario to Wisconsin is like not through Egypt, but like that just like screwed up where containers were. And then um, in May, the largest port in the world in China got shut down for three or four weeks. Uh-huh. Um, so like there's just empty containers um, and then this like creates this backlog. And so ships are getting kicked out of port before they're full. So like there's just like half full cargo ships, which means there's a bunch of empty containers. So there's just not containers to get things places. And so like 
things are just like the whole like this whole on-demand global supply chain just like it barely functioned and now it's like not just functioning at all so like yeah. i'm so excited to get um returnables going because like yeah i've switched bottle like the bottle i use three times this spring and like every time like we're expecting our our bottle to come back it's just like it's not there and suppliers just keep running out of more and more things so like and that's wow. a, i mean that's another unique thing all in of itself uh, when's the last time that you've heard of a returnable bottle program i mean the 80s i think mm-hmm. was probably uh, i the, was still buying point returnable like point special and returnable bottles 2010 really i mean that's about when they stopped doing that um, i guess because i was homebrewing at that point it was like well, I could go buy bottles, <laughs> or I could buy these returnable bottles, and it's cheaper. <laughs> sure. I guess I didn't buy enough point beer. Yeah. Um, what was I, I doing? I think what they were the, the last holdout in Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, now you're bringing it back. Oh, That's my goodness, great. right? Like, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about environmental initiatives, like reusing the container as the exact same thing. Yeah. That's sustainability, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> reuse is more important than recycling, because recycling's not as functional as we ever pretended it was right yeah right? like we're all becoming clear on that and like we need it to be functional to a greater degree but it's it's not and so we need to stop using that as an excuse for our one-way packaging yeah right and yeah. once you have like a reuse place you're not as dependent on these supply chains right right um, right which just makes everything better <laughs> right well, and I, I think that's something that everybody can embrace you know reusing and and uh, sustainability that's you know if you're yeah. fighting that yeah <laughs> so uh so the the other thing that you had mentioned is that you're an organic brewery yep and i can't recall many of those being around either yeah i mean I, there's lots of reasons we opened a brewery but one of them was because um Everything else in my life is certified organic. Like even like when I take a shower, sure. like it's certified organic. Like you know, I buy organic soap and I wash my hair with uh, organic vinegar. And like, yeah, my shower is certified organic, but my beer isn't. Like, wait, how is this? Um, and I mean, I can parse out how that is and why that is. But um, it was important to us that we had organic beer out there in the market. But that's not our market driver. Like our proposition is like, drink it because it's organic. It's like, I want, he's like, Hey, here's world-class beer. It happens to be organic. Right. Um, right. Right. Well, I mean, and I think that's, that's probably one of the, uh, misnomers that a lot of people have is that they see organic and they think, Oh, it's going to taste earthy or it's going to taste <laughs> like dirt or, you know, whatever, you know, no, whatever. but it is good for the earth and good for the dirt. Like, yeah. cause there, then yeah. there's bi- microbiodiversity in, cause like the problem with chemical agriculture is that it's sterilizing the soil and waterways, sure. Sure. right? Or, uh, having the opposite effect. So it's sterilizing soil, but then you'll get this, uh, like overbloom, yep. um, like these From the super blooms in, um, of fertilizer runoff right. in, in waterways. Right. Like, yep. I mean, that, that's all the problem in the lakes in Madison, like all summer long, um, the parks department is out there pulling growth off the surface of our lake so that they look nice. And it's all just because of agricultural runoff. Like. Yeah. And we have the same issue in Eau Claire yeah, too. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beach is closing and you yep. know, nobody seems to know where it comes from or, you know, but half, well, half Moon <laughs> Lake is a different story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know about Half Moon Lake. Uh, I think that's just <laughs> left over from logging Could and be. stuff like that. And they just, it's a self-contained waterway so there's nowhere for it to go oh right. sure <laughs> right yeah so stagnant water always a good time yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great for mosquitoes and we all love mosquitoes yeah yeah uh so yeah the the organic thing and and like i said everything that andy's brought and i i don't have any pre- preconceived 
you know, thoughts about organic. Yeah. Um, so you would never know it unless it says it on the bottle. Yeah, yeah. And it does. Right. Um, oh, absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the only way there's transparency, right? So, like, right. I can tell you, oh, hey, I used all X what whatever. But, like, that has that third-party verification so that on the store shelf, they can trust it because Midwest Organic Services Agency, like, comes and inspects me. Right. And, like, everything's verified. Like, my whole supply chain is documented. And um, it pushes me into that accountability place. And... Um, there's things that I thought would be fine in an organic system that weren't. Um, right. That I mean, little things, right? So, like, um, we use reverse osmosis water for all of our brewing, okay. um, which strips it almost down to, like, distilled water, but not quite because it's just a filtering system, right? Um, yep. Uh, and so I need to add some salts back, right? So I need to add some calcium salts to the cat to the mash tun because calcium is a cofactor in um, starch conversion. And then um, in the kettle, I add a little bit of sodium chloride um, just because you need 50 to 120 parts of sodium per million to have it taste good, right? Like leaving salt out of your cookies like or your bread, like it's like, it's just off, right? (laughs) Because salt is missing. Right, because salt's a cofactor in how our electrical, our own electrical systems work. And so like you can't perceive things without the sodium, right? Um, And then I use a little bit of magnesium sulfite um, uh, for the yeast health. So it's like 11 parts of um, magnesium because the yeast uses that. It doesn't persist into your beer because, you know, vitamins for the yeast. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, like proving, like I had to find magnesium sulfate that was came from the earth, not from a lab. So like you can go into any store and buy uh, Epsom salt, which is magnesium sulfite, um, for basically free, right? It's like yeah. a dollar for four pounds. And so right. like you start calling companies like, hey, is this naturally derived or synthetic, right? Just meaning like someone mixed some sol- s- solutions together in a lab and it mm-hmm. precipitated out, right? Uh, and there's like, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> well, because it's yeah. so yeah. cheap, yeah, yeah, right? Right, and right, like, right? So like that was my holdup in actually getting certified was like finding that. And then the sodium chloride, like, being able to actually, so sodium chloride, it's always naturally derived. Like, no one's making synthetic table salt. <laughs> but there's often additives, um, like a flow agent or um, a moisture absorbing agent or um, iodine, just so that it tastes bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just eat your leafy greens, people. Right. Uh, um, but uh, to f- actually find documentation of that. Um, so, like, I had been using sea salt from Willie Street Co-op from the bulk section, and I was like, oh, that should be fine. But no, it has magnesium, half a percent of magnesium chloride in it as a moisture absorber. And mm-hmm. magnesium chloride, even though it's a naturally derived magnesium chloride, it's not on the allowed list of, for organic production. So, like, I couldn't use that. Wow. So, like... I've had to like, and I, and I think that's find <laughs> salt and get it documented, right? Like, sure. And it gets complicated, but then, but then it's also like what I can use for um, sanitizing. So like at yeah. first I was using a phosphoric-based uh, acid sanitizer, um, partly because they're just like really gentle to work with for the user. Uh, th- like there's no odor. Like if you get it on yourself, um, you don't, like you don't want to get it on yourself. <laughs> but like it's you've got some leeway and you can like get it over. But like the only thing I'm allowed to use as a no-rinse sanitizer is parasitic acid, which is also beautiful to work with, but it's more dangerous, right? Like, yeah. it, it can be noxious to your lungs breathing it before it's diluted, and if you get it on your skin before it's undiluted, like, 
it'll turn white instantly. Like, oh wow, like, oh wow. You can work with it. Like, you can get over there and wash it off, and it'll be fine. But you're still gonna have like that white spot for a few weeks. Wow. So like, I was like trying to avoid using parasitic, partly because like I had never worked in a brewery that was using parasitic, and I was just like slightly afraid of it. <laughs> now I'm best friends with it. Like, it's, <laughs> it's lovely stuff, and it's even better. It's better environmentally too because like it doesn't persist in the environment at all like um, once it gets diluted it just kind of yeah it breaks down very quickly um so it it's really it's just uh acetic acid with a oxygen added to it so that oxygen is readily given up which has the um so like if i dropped my bucket of undiluted stuff on the soil like in the in the grass outside the grass would die but not even the roots and it wouldn't screw up the um the soil health at all because oh. it just it would oxidize so quickly sure. like it'll the green grass will go away for a while but it'll grow right back gotcha yeah and i think a lot of people so all of it a lot of people don't realize what what goes into being certified organic and okay. how and how an incredible pain in the ass it is well, and those become the easy thing. Like, I have to figure those things out once, right? But, like, my supply chain is always a nightmare because right. none of the ingredient suppliers have enough organic stuff for me to make anything. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, and, like, my idea of, like, diversity in malts is, like, I can get three different Munich malts. <laughs> Actually, no, four now. Like, it's Ooh. really exciting. Like, Ooh, four. Right? Yeah. I can get, I have three options for U.S., like, two-row stuff. Yeah. Um, I have... Uh, Two, no, three options now for European Pils malt and four options for, um, for Munich malt. And I can also get wheat malt and um, sometimes I can get rye. Okay. But that's it. That's, that's all the malts. <laughs> right? So like I, and, uh, and then I have uh, two options for uh, like black malt. Um, okay. But like that's it. Um, I mean, there's some crystal malt out there, but crystal malt doesn't make very good beer. So yeah. I don't use it. Um, it's not stable, <laughs> right? So like crystal malt, like... The, the extracts you get from crystal malt um, oxidize pretty quickly. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So you get to that papery place rather quickly. Uh, also, like, caramel-type flavor. So anything in that, like, 20 to 100 L crystal, you're going to have caramel flavors, but caramel clashes with so many things. Right. Um, particularly citrus, right? Like, there's a reason oh, that, yeah. like, sure. yeah. caramelized um, orange pie <laughs> isn't a thing, right? Because, like, it clashes. Um, yeah. And... Yeah. So it's lightning on your tongue. So like part of the reason so many IPAs seem harshly bitter is because like, first of all, you have the caramel and the citrusy hops just clashing on your tongue, which just like is lightning. Uh, And then like the chances of the crystal malt being oxidized at all um, is really high. So the first stage of oxidized malts is just like uh, like a harsher bitterness. Um, before you get to papery and astringent and cardboard and stuff. Um, so, like, I just all, avoid crystal malt. Yeah, yeah all yeah. bad. Right. <laughs> Plus, bad you, it's usually, you, you just have a bunch of dextrin, so unfermentable sugars from it, and I want really dry beer. So, like, that's part of the reason you like our beer is because yeah. it's, like, super dry. Super like, dry, um, yeah. Like, I'm always a little bit below, like, standard spec for every style. That's, that's um, awesome, yeah. Which allows you to taste the subtleties, because like, I... So, like, I can get 14 different malts, but like I said, it's mostly, like, overlap in type. So, like, I'm just teasing out the differences of, um, like, this Munich malt versus that Munich malt. Right. Um, and that's kind of the differences. But, like, a lot of our beers is, like, well, in this one, I use Castle Munich malt, and in this one, I use the Great Western Munich malt. So, like, <laughs> boom, different beers, right? Like, or it's just, like, I just use a different yeast or something. So, like, yeah. I, like there's these, like, basic formulas we use, um, and we just like sub out one variable, but another 
benefit of doing all these 7 to 11% alcohol beers is I just give you a caricature of one or two things and you're tasting the full depth of it, right? Sure. Like it's like this like profound experience of, um, so like the Burt Nail, which I know you had and yep. really liked, like yeah. that's just, here's a bunch of organic Maris Otter, right? Okay. I use, right, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Right, with with some goldings and. Um, I mean, you you make it sound simple, but it <laughs> it's is cer- it's certainly for some for someone who doesn't brew beer, it would not, or have a would, degree in chemistry, or have a degree well, and has no interest. <laughs> I in have a, three in a degrees in religion. I don't have I, a degree in chemistry. <laughs> I get accused of it a lot. It's I like, have I have an associate's in broadcasting. What do you think that gets me? Nothing. <laughs> a podcast. It, yeah, it gets me a podcast and yeah. and being able to drink beer really well. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we, we've gone over the ga- organics, or at least n- part of it. So yeah. at least to give people the <laughs> the idea of how incredibly hard it is to be an organic brewer, um, and to make good beer out of it. Uh, so I, I, at this point, I think it might be easier um, for so? me because I don't get distracted by the new specialty ingredient that hits the market. Sure. Because there's always these, like, quote, innovative malts coming out or, like, the newest. There's a, at least a dozen new hop cultivars coming out every year. But, like, yeah, I can't get them, so I just don't have to care. Right. Right? So, like, right. then I don't have to play that hop game of, like, here's our Sabro IPA. There's, like, which, great, right? Like, all sorts of opportunities yeah. and flavor opportunities. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't have to play that game. It's just, like... Yep, here here's more Goldings. Like yeah. <laughs> like and here's here's more Pacific Gem. Like I've got a freezer full of Pacific Gem. I love Pacific Gem hops, right? And like so like and I can get them and I will always be able to get them. So like we just run with it. So like it just like it narrows my options, right? So like right. it makes w- my choices of like what what I'm going to do mm-hmm. just so much easier. <laughs> Right. How, so like, how, how often do you see more organic? And, and I mean, you've kind of touched on it a little bit, how often you can get organic products. Is it, are we looking at like once every couple of years that, that more organic malts are coming available? Or I mean, even the hops, um, you would think as many hop farmers as, as there are starting to be, especially smaller ones, yeah. um, that at least one of them would start making organic hops. But are you seeing yeah. any of that, or is it, or is it just kind of, it's too, too dang hard for them to do, so they're just gonna kind of. Well, there, so, th- the feedback loop on uh, like growing hops, like you don't really get a good yield till at least like year three. Right. So like, right. um, this isn't like instant market turnaround. Like there's lots of advanced planning. Um, my hop, so like I can really easily get New Zealand hops. Yep. Partly because I contract them, right? Sure. Like, and I know there will be a good crop of organic New Zealand hops because the organic hop farms there are in their own valley. So like they never have drift issues um, and they don't have powdery mildew there because it's temperate, rainfall, no humidity. So like they don't have those mildew type issues. And so like organic hops will always come in, right? Um, So I contract those so that I just have this like backstop of hops. Um, US hops are really hard for me to get um, because there's a couple of other larger um, organic breweries on the coast and they eat most of those up um and i just can't get them like sure. getting the 10 11 pounds of centennials i want to make american barley wine like i couldn't do it last year right oh, like wow. so like the american barley like i modified it and did it with cascades but like it wasn't it didn't quite like it was lovely but like it wasn't what i wanted yeah. um and 
whatever. Um, but like, uh, it was still barley wine. Like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. swoon, barley wine. I was about to say, uh, that's, it's, it's, you've gone on record before saying that that's your favorite style. Oh, yeah, no contest. Yeah, okay. no, that, we opened this place to make barley wine. Like, okay. we are a barley wine brewery. Um, <laughs> that's it. Um, we make, you know, tangential styles. Like Giant Jones barley wine. That's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and every now and then a triple for Erica. Yeah. Which might become a year-round beer. Um, so, like, once this thing's running, um, yeah. trip, like, and I get an, another tank or two, like, triple will be year-round along with double IPA. Um, awesome. Because we, uh, I had been running triple as a um, summer beer okay. uh, the first few years we were open. Um, and that beer went through a couple names because, well, now it's, a, now it's just triple and arguably really is triple because um, I had been running it as an all malt triple. Okay. Um, so at first we called it Belgian style barley wine because um, it was really inspired by uh, the, the Scaldus beers um, or Bush if you're in Europe. But hmm. um, uh, so it was inspired by those beers. And it, so it was just like a fuller body triple. And so I was like, oh, we'll call it um, Belgian style barley wine. People didn't get it, right? And then, like, and then we started calling it Grand Triple, um, just like to be like, oh, because it's a fuller body triple, and like everyone would just order triple. So it's like, screw it, triple. Call um, it all triple. But now I've I took out a hundred pounds of the malt and added fifty five pounds of cane, um, just to like lean it out because I wasn't getting it as dry as I wanted on this system as I had on my pilot system. Sure. Um, so I just switched it, um, and I think it's perfect now. Like. Erica's always loved it, but so I, I ended up running it as a winter beer because in November of 2020, I said to Erica, I was like, I needed to order ingredients to make anything. So I was just like, oh, what, do you, what beer do you need to get out of 2020 and into 2021? And like, <laughs> everything was triggering and scarring, right? So it was just like, what do you need? She's like, yeah, triple, give me triple. Sure. So like, and we ran it as a winter beer and it was really successful, yeah. right? Which yeah. isn't always the case, right? Like people freaking love our pale Weizenbach and tell us they want it year round, but they're lying because if I have any left after Labor Day, it takes forever to sell, yeah. right? Like, yeah. And I guess I, guess I look at a triple, I, I mean, I can drink triple year round. But I look at that as a, as a Christmas beer, something that I really, really love yep. to have around Christmas. Yep. Just because of the, the flavors and, yep. you know, that's what my mind goes to for, sure. for Christmas. So yep. uh, I'm the only yep. one that ends up drinking it because my family still hasn't, you know, Belgian style beers just don't seem to really jive with them. You know, yeah, yeah. they're like, I, I want to drink whiskey. And I'm like, I'm just going to drink my triple over here. It's pretty much the same thing. You yeah. can do one than the other. <laughs> <laughs> That won't be. It won't be. My night last night. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas morning won't be so great. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So all of those things. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the beer. Let's mm-hmm. let's keep going with that. Good. I love um, beer. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> uh, do you have any any new things coming up? Yeah. I mean, we've yeah. kind of touched on some of the stuff that you've already done, but yeah, new yep. things. Uh, so new things coming up, um, which, and this is another part of that calculus, why Triple got brewed in winter this year was yeah. because I had so many Belgio Franco things um, planned for this summer. So we just released this week a Belgian style Golden Strong um, in the vein of Duval. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was a collaboration for our third anniversary with uh, Star Liquor, which is our neighborhood liquor store that okay. just like sells so much Giant Jones. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's amazing. Because like you go in there and like, oh, hey, what beer should I try? And as they walk you over, it's like, here's the Giant Jones cooler. Nice. Um, and, yeah. you know, for five, fifty, six bucks, depending on the shop, like it's an easy sell. And like, and then it's a compelling drink, right? So like it's 
easy to get excited about and for people to, to be excited to sell. Um, yeah. And like, we're a good story. Like, we're a little certified organic brewery run by queer women. Like, yeah. And like, <laughs> it's easy to like get someone to walk away with one of those bottles. Um, but so we're, I'm really excited about that. It's super lean, super dry, super carbonated. Um, easier to pour from a bottle than on tap. Oh my gosh, it takes so long to pour <laughs> that onto the draft system because it's 3.3 volume CO2. It's like I have flow control faucet, but it's like dialed way down. It's like, sure. it's like, yeah, that'll be three minutes. You might as well sit down. Like, <laughs> like, oh, you want a black? It's beautiful. Like, boom, <laughs> like on the table, like before you're done talking. Um, uh, so, and then we have a uh, beer to guard blonde coming out um, in July. Yeah. Um, which I'm, uh, we've made a beer to guard ombre. Um, right before the pandemic so we released okay. it february 2019 um as part of this blind date collaboration series we did in madison um <laughs> with a bunch of the producers uh, a bunch of the, the brewers distillers mead makers um cideries we just threw everyone who was interested we threw our names in a hat and then just like pulled them out in pairs and like you do a collaboration with you <laughs> um and like the only thing was like uh, release it in February and do something legal. Um, because once, so like when, a, so like uh, Dancing Goat Distillery got paired with uh, Brick Cider. Well, Dancing Goat can't serve cider, can't serve, right. uh, they don't have a wine license. Yeah. And um, Brick Cider isn't allowed to serve spirits because of the way their licensing work, right? Yep. So like, it's like, well, what could we do that actually we can both be part of right, right like right. um so they ended up taking spent gin botanicals um after they used them to make the gin and then aged a cider on that um so oh, like okay. it ended up not being at both places but like it was a way to have like the ghost of some dancing goat stuff um and i think it was ultimately the death door which is now dancing goat um yep. in the house of right like of brick cider and like it was really fun and beautiful and like we all ended up doing creative things we got paired with lone goat brewing so it was like oh we make a beer yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we made a beer to guard ombre um and like it got like we came to this point where like we were talking about like making a bock and i was like oh let's let's make a french bock right and it was like um and john was like is that a thing i'm like yeah like i mean in the 1800s it was like uh and which is basically a beer to guard on like that's the yeah. modern beer to guard ombre okay, um, okay. Or modern beer to guards like they really grew out of uh french bach production okay. um the the farmhouse story that people tell you it's, it's marketing um <laughs> interesting oh 100 well, we'll have to correct troy on that yeah, next time yeah, we see right? yeah. <laughs> I mean, well marketing's fun too you know yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and especially yeah. here in in the united states marketing's yeah. all the all the rage. right right yeah. well and like so the technique isn't the marketing but so it's it's an ale that gets lagered just like a coal or an alt beer sure. um and that has you know a technique the, the idea ties to farmhouse brewing but okay. not um it's not <clears throat> like the norwegian quebec brewers like like that's actual farmhouse brewing, right? Or like the Lithuanian farmhouse ales and stuff like that. Hmm. And even Cezanne has a better link to it. It's it's a firmer link than Beer de Guards, but like not really. Sure. Like it's modern. Interesting, beer, right? Like um, the the yeast, the Dupont yeast strain, um, and some of the other Cezanne yeast strains. Like you can trace those back a little bit, but it, it gets real blurry. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not at all like the work that Lars has done um, in um, Scandinavia. Hmm. Like that's farmhouse brewing, um, and that that happens in other places, but it's just not documented. Right. And the things that we think of as farmhouse beers, <laughs> <laughs> smoke and mirrors. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> 
which doesn't make them wrong or bad. It's yeah. just like, right? Yeah. But like, no, you can still but, appreciate I mean, those, yeah. So many beer styles, like what we say are the origins of them, like yeah. not true. Like especially IPA. Like all of that is fucking bullshit. <laughs> 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 right? Like IPA is not a real thing, right? Like the, uh, like the first reference to uh, India Pale Ale was in a newspaper ad in Australia. Um like no one invented IPA. It was just October beer. It was like the beers they made during the hop harvest, like <laughs> that got re and Burt nails that just got rebranded yeah. at some point because, because of colonialism. Right. Like, yep. and like, actually this is one of my big things. Like we need to stop using the terms of those things. Cause like that's keep, that's limiting beer diversity. Right. Because like we continue to enshrine colonialism and imperialism in our basic beer language, right? So, like, <laughs> if the basis of the market is still celebrating a made-up colonial story, like, everybody who suffered from colonialism, so, like, anyone who's not a straight cis white male dude, like, they're told they're not, don't belong. And when uh, our biggest, most premium beers are imperial fill-in-the-blank, like, it's saying, like, oh, this will oppress all of you. We will s extract your money and rape your land, right? Like, which is the, that's what colonialism and imperialism yeah, are. Like, sure. and so like, it's so easy to like walk away from those things. Like, and you can even sell, say IPA, but like the fine print on our I double IPA bottle says international pale ale, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. and what does the modern IPA have to do with 18th century export beers? Nothing. No. They, they'd look at these juicy, hazy IPAs and be like, what the hell are you doing to my beer? Yeah, right. Well, and like IPA has stopped to mean it, stopped meaning anything besides like a bunch of hop flavor. Right. Right. I mean, there's like, yeah. just go back 10 years to when uh, black IPAs were trending. Like it's like the pale ale stopped even meaning anything. Right. Like it's like black pale ale. Like, and the, you know, there's all sorts of like wringing of people's hands of like, oh, can we call it that because it's dark colored? It's no longer pale. Um, but so if like the pale ale part doesn't even mean anything, like surely the uh, India part, which never meant anything, we can just walk away from. And beer can be bigger and better for it, right? So like ours just say international pale ale, right? <laughs> like we can all say that. And like, and it's an international style now anyway, right? And if you still want to like hold to this like export 18th century um, or 1800s like narrative, like it was still for like if it's for export it's an international beer fucking fine right like but yeah. it's it, it allows people in and like um and then so instead of saying imperial porter or imperial stout uh we say grand sure. right because it's not, one it's like i love that because it's not a ranking term it's not um it like grand just means big <laughs> right right well, whereas like like if we say like strong and like i know i just put out a golden strong ale and i'm really excited about it but like when that becomes the baseline language, like it, like there is these associations with like um, virility and like manly, right? And like it's mm. like it starts to like limit you again at a certain point. So like, but like just get out your thesaurus. Like there's a bazillion options for these things. Or so like, start using the German language, you know? It's yeah. Stark. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so or you know like the reason that we have like that's what stout used to be like there yeah. things weren't called imperial they were called stout so there was a stout yeah. IPA and like stout bitters and stout scotch like because it just meant like, here's the stout porter right like actually a true story <laughs> like <laughs> it was just like the stronger porters yeah um, stout wasn't like a standalone thing like it just and like stout was affixed to everything um, 
gotcha. 200 years ago. Yeah, but then yeah. it's just starting being like, oh, these particularly roasty um, Guinness beer. probably had something to do with that, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was, you know, beers like that. And like, but also like early Guinness, if it was called stout, like wouldn't have been three and a half percent alcohol. It would have yeah. been, well, and also like beer in the 18th, 19th century in the UK was all like giant jones beer like things start it was like eight to 14 percent like everything was strong like not where it is today yeah, yeah right like i keep thinking about making like a 19th century bitter because a 19th century bitter is sort of just like a richer version of our burton now like they mm. were they were yeah. sounds really good yeah right like I mean, just I'd, like an I'd, xxx bitter like I'd it's just like a some. Sure. strong or or a mild too right yeah, like, yeah like that's what i meant um i said bitter but i meant mild um well i mean the both of them right it i was would just, buy both of them yeah yeah right so um so like if you're trying to think about oh what's a mild like it's actually more like the modern scotch ale okay hmm. yeah different yeast like um, sure. it's gonna be more estuary and stuff but interesting yeah. and some hot flavor yeah but that's awesome i didn't yeah, so, uh we got we got a complete education today. Yeah. I, <laughs> chemistry, history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. This, yeah. This but coming great. back to like colonialism and imperialism, like that will take uh customers asking their local breweries to change it. Um and like it's really easy to do. You can do it. Do so you, like you, when we made that change when we first opened um in twenty eighteen, uh we had uh we opened the tasting room June 2018 and like by fall I was really uncomfortable with what I was offering because I had an Imperial India Pale Ale. Yeah. I had um, an Imperial Stout and an Imperial Porter and then a Belgian Barley Wine. Like those were, and Pale Weizenbach. Um, uh, so like I had five beers but it was like, oh, we're a little certified organic brewery run by queer women and I have three references to imperialism and one to colonialism and I'm like wanting people to come in and like, I just changed the signs and like people came in and the next week and like didn't miss a beat. They're like, Oh, the grand stout. Like, I love that beer. I'll have that. Like mm -hmm. they didn't even like, Oh yeah, you changed the name. So many of them. And then some did. And like, they're like, and it was mostly women of color. And they're like, Oh my God, I hadn't realized like that discomfort was there. And like, we would start talking about it. And like many of them would just start crying because they're like, Oh my gosh, like this is just lifted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So like, and it's so easy. Just like, let's all do it. Um, words are just words. Yeah. yeah. Like right, yeah, easy as, to swap as, out. As far <laughs> as that goes, as far as beer drinking goes, I, uh, I, I would say as far as a consumer, call it a, call it whatever you want, you know, yeah. as, as long as, as long as everybody's happy with it, that's at the end of the day. Yeah. That's, I'm just here to drink beer. Yeah. And, well, and like, and like we just talked about <clears> like <throat> mild and bitter, like those meant different things 200 years, like that, sure. that communicated something different and like back to like the marketing, like. Beer styles are ultimately marketing language. That's it. Yep. To, to yeah. communicate to a consumer so they have an idea of what's in the bottle. Yep. Like after yep. that, it's over. Right. Like there's a range and like, and they function within like competition settings to like categorize like which beer should be on the table next to each other. But like, that's it. It's marketing language and like competition logistics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now we know. They're not right. sacred. Yeah. They're not invented. They're just beer is beer, right? And like yeah. we can learn a lot from the Belgians on this too. Like sure. the, the only reason that there's like Belgian beer styles is because there started being an English drink like market for it. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> and like the the Brits and the Americans are obsessed with categorizing beer styles. Um whereas like the rest of the world is not. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. 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 So, 
Uh, don't hold it too tightly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I just want a beer. I want a yeah. good beer. Yeah. 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 Right. That's like, and, and that's the thing. Like, and that's the other thing is like beer should be this moment of like transcendence and relaxation and joy and release. And, oh, like, absolutely. Right. Like, yeah. cause like, and that's the other reason that we're making these big beers that are just like a big flavor proposition because like enough of life, life is boring, enough of life is hard, enough of life is delightful. And like if we can like help like elevate out of that moment, right? Like yep. and, like food and beverages, it's like point to do that day multiple times a day, right? So like and the things that go into the delightful flavors we enjoy is like, I mean, on the one hand, it's just like the amazingness that you can perceive those things like in like the chemical wonder that's happening. And like all of that had to get filtered through the core of a star. And then that star had to explode in order for those arrangements of atoms to exist. So like not only is that plant make that, but then you can perceive it like that's freaking amazing, right? Like, yeah. like you're on a cosmic level instantly, but then just like even smaller on our planet, like it takes hundreds of years, thousands of years of humans like selectively, you know, choosing the plumper seeds over time or the more aromatic uh, hop cones over time to like get us to this like like the generations of plant breeding to like mm -hmm. get us to these cultivars that we're using that make these delicious beers. Like it's freaking mind numbing. And then like, you also have to have like the growing season, like the sun has to shine, the rain has to fall, like in order to get to beer. And so like, you're just tasting the weather too from that place oh, yeah, in that yeah. soil. Right. Like, so now or we're as, on the uh, or chaos as, theory. Or as, Troy, the or as Troy would like to say, <laughs> terroir. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yep. But like all of that comes into play and then like it's in this glass and you can perceive it and it's like and so like if it's a hard day like you can just like relax into it and let some of it go. If it's a great day it's just like oh and this tastes good and it's even more enjoyable right. Um, and it really so like when you're happy it really does taste better because your brain will fill that in right. So like telling people that we're a certified organic brewery run by queer women like. As long as they're not a bigot, they're probably going to feel good about that. And then they're going to think our beer tastes better because of it. Sure. Because if you already are predisposed to something, like, this is the way, like, nostalgia functions, right? So, like, there's a bunch of, like, commercial snack food that you probably think is gross. But then there's the stuff you had as a kid and you think is freaking amazing, right? And, like, it's yeah. the same cheese powder on both those things. But you had this one as a child. So, like, you fill it in with, like, these, with nostalgia. And so with feels great and so like it tastes good yeah. instead of like unless it's oh. surge when you have surge 20 years later no fair enough <laughs> <laughs> i, think I mean some people probably still like it but i'm I, just saying i'm just I know putting that those i'm just putting that out there yeah. i think at least you and i are too old for surge to have been childhood <laughs> that was high school <laughs> uh, no that was childhood uh, surge, surge was high school yeah yeah yeah, I, I, but I bought a lot of it. No, I wasn't allowed to <laughs> yeah. drink any of it. Oh, I didn't you, look at you, you when I said old you, enough. You Andy. poor guy. That's fair. <laughs> she saw my gray hair and went, "Oh, geez, Landon's got to be ancient." <laughs> I, I put myself there with you. <laughs> I I feel ancient. No, no, yeah, no. but Erica's the I ancient one at Giant Jones. She's forty now. <laughs> oh, oh my wow. gosh, I'm still thirty now. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, I'm thirty-eight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No comment. <laughs> Andy's too young. Um, <laughs> Still so 29, we, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> no. 31. He, oh. acts, he acts 29. Yeah. Eight, seven. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, events coming up at Giant Jones. So now that you're open again, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say that 
you're required to have events, sure. events, but uh, a lot of people will probably be looking for those kinds of things. Yeah, uh, I mean, like these things are just like in the moment right now. Like, oh if, yeah. If yeah. the last 16 months taught me anything or like solidified anything in my mind is that uh, plans are dust. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yep. And so we're just making it up as we go right now for that stuff. So like. Uh, we yesterday was our third anniversary. We decided that that was our third anniversary. I don't know Friday. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, con- congratulations thanks, on three right? years. Yeah. Well, and then, then there was just like enough else going on. So like our neighbor down the hall, Jenny Gao, was having um, a studio art viewing and sale, and so like sure. we put some of her stuff up on our walls, and so like is like that was part of it. Edible Madison launched their spring issue, and there was a picnic deal with Elementary, and then like if you hadn't pre-ordered that, we gave you a buck off your beer if you walked in with a sandwich, so, you know, your sandwich is your coupon. Um, and we released the Golden Strong, and we ha- are still raising money for Freedom Inc. with Black is Beautiful, which we released last week, um, which is how we opened. Um, and it was just like, oh, there's enough just like synchronistic overlap, and like in this our, you know, big reopening day. Yeah, yeah. Um, like so, it's like, oh yeah, this is the third anniversary party. Like, <laughs> and like really, it got named that publicly <laughs> at about. 10:30 on the the, the insta faces when i when i posted it right <laughs> it's all insta faces yeah. yeah right so like <laughs> events are just going to like crop up and like just go for it so um, then so then speaking of that the best way for someone to find out about these events would be the insta faces the yeah. facebooks and the instagrams yeah. and do you, no, tweet, stops do, you, do you tweet at all? Erica sometimes uh, insta or she calls it insta tweeting because you just like, <laughs> she, but we don't do anything native in Twitter really. Yeah, like our brains well, just don't function with Twitter. Uh, yeah, so it's, like, it's probably not not great to be there anyway. Well, I, I dive in every now and again. It's a depressing place. Yeah, well, that's how I feel about all the social media. Like if yeah. if it yeah. wasn't an effective way to communicate, like to to communicate with all of you, right? Uh, a necessary evil. Do, yeah, yeah. If it's. it's there, there's a function to it, so we use it. But like, yep. it's not a edifying place. And like, and I go to it to find out about my friends and colleagues too. Like, yeah. um, you know, like uh, the other day, I was like, oh, we wanted to, like, we were exhausted and we didn't want to make dinner, so we're like, oh, let's go out, um, which was sort of this like new novel idea too. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah. places are opening up. It was like, yeah. oh, can we eat at a Han? So like, I just check Instagram, right? Like, and you know, we couldn't yet. Like, we ended up picking for a coat, and it was delightful. But like, I'm, that's where we. It's an easy place to, like, find information and accurate, up-to-date information. Like, it's so much easier to update that than, say, like, our website. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Because, like, that has a lot more back end. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so for for when you check out Facebook and Instagram and find those events at Giant Jones, look for the big giant green door and the little... Pink, pink door yep. that's next to it. Yep, <laughs> and that's uh, that's where you'll find. Is there is there anything that I didn't cover that? Uh, uh, well, like and then like on the the thing of events, like I think just like our tasting room being open is an event. Like coming yeah, in, absolutely, like, it is an drinking event. Drinking these beers, I think, is mm-hmm. special. Yeah. Like I mean. I drink them every day. Uh, well, most days. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, uh, they're compelling. Like, the, like yeah. I, and it's that we're making these big beers that are like we often can think of these styles as like special occasion, but we price them so that they're everyday beers. Like, um, like right. An 11% beer that you would normally think is like $8 a glass is six bucks here. Yeah. Right. And the bottles six bucks, right? Like you can't go wrong. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so easy. Um, and like, that's my, <laughs> that's my thing is like, cause I want like that thing about the transcend, like that's what I'm looking for every day for everybody. Like that's yeah. what I'm going for. So like, let's just, 
freaking and like I'm I'm a hedonist like that's that's my game right and like and hedonism is maximizing joy right for sure. yourself and everybody else so like yep. drinking too much isn't hedonism overeating isn't hedonism uh you know buying chocolate picked by enslaved children isn't hedonism because you're creating suffering right like hmm. it's, it's an ancient greek philosophy like that yeah. the catholic church is like made synonymous with gluttony and it's not right like so yep. like that's what I'm looking for is like, this is like maximum joy at all times for all of us. Like, um, even down to the microbe level, which is why I'm certified organic. Yeah. So. And that's, that's awesome. That's right. great. Cause we uh, used to be microbes too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, get down here, check out giant Jones, enjoy your time while you're here, but you need to put your drinking pants on before you come in too. Sure. So, uh, well, we have little to pours to too. We have a, you can get an ounce and a half pour for a dollar or a three ounce pour for two bucks and just oh have like gosh. a little flight of Jeez, beer. You could have a, you could have a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a whole yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then like our big pours are eight or 10 ounces. So like, and I can't give you a bigger pour than 10 ounces because I don't have a glass big enough. Right. Right. And um, I don't know that you'd want more than 10 ounces anyway. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. and like, you it's, save some room yeah. for another I think it's a really in- At yeah. that point, buy a couple bottles and head yeah. home. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can always bring food in like, so like, um, and, um, yeah, like we're like the, the real idea is like what you said, like come in, have a beer, maybe two, like yeah. take some bottles home. Yep. Like, and we've bottled since the beginning because my favorite place to drink beer is my couch. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And I assume that's true of everybody. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people really discovered that joy um, the last 16 months. Um, Whether they wanted to or not. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. So like bottle sales time, are up. I'm, I'm ready to come back to the tap rooms now. yeah right <laughs> but like even so like yesterday like bottle sales were st- really good sure um, sure because yeah people are like and if you're out you're yeah. out already yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah it's great well um, and we have an amazing neighborhood to come visit too so like yeah really do stop by just like have like one or two three ounce pours and like mm-hmm. go on to like old sugar distillery and boss meadery and uh vintage brewing company and parched eagle brewing and working draft beer company and imaginary factory and state line distillery and then like even go on to the next neighborhood where you can have one barrel and <laughs> next door brewer like yeah. this is like a beverage district like, and make sure you have a driver yeah <laughs> yeah or there's like or s- some cute little hotels or right. ubers or yeah. You know, yeah bike paths yeah you bet. Yep. yep yep well after a while you know even the bike becomes a challenge yeah but yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway thank you so much jessica for oh, joining my us great pleasure this it's, is super uh, fun yeah this has been great um especially mm-hmm. being here for the first time yeah. so it's, i love i love discovering new places yeah um at least being physically here right. yeah. i've had the beer yeah, so i know uh so thank you thanks andy for uh for yeah. being a part of this we'll uh we'll work you into some more sure. in, in the future uh for those of you that are listening haven't already checked us out on social medias make sure you do that even the Twitters were there, but I don't do a hell of a lot. So <laughs> uh, until next time, prost, everybody. Cheers. Bye.